Well, the University of Oregon has a new president, and I don't think it means what people would maybe want it to mean. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe. Please and thank you wherever you, wherever you listen to or watch this show. We're over 2,200 subs on the YouTube channel, 100 more on podcasts. I am so very grateful to all of you. And... Oregon has now got a new president. Remember for the last several months when people have been asking and pondering and speculating and rumor milling about realignment? Could Oregon go here? Could Oregon go there? Something I always brought up was, we're not going anywhere if we don't have a president. Well, now we do. His name is Carl Schultz. S-C-H-O-L-Z. I assume that's pronounced Schultz. Schultz, maybe. It's probably Schultz. Carl Schultz. Um, He is coming over from Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. Let's freak out. Let's panic. Let's go completely overboard and say this means Oregon Oregon is going to the Big Ten. We could do that, or, or, and I'm just spitballing here, we could take a level-headed approach and look at what this actually means. Now, he did get asked about this at his introductory press conference, and from what I have been able to discern, he doesn't have any specific ties to Oregon. I think he was just a qualified candidate for the job, and he wanted it, and says he's now 100% a duck. And by the way, he's coming over from Wisconsin. I was talking about this recently on the show. I love Wisconsin. I went to a, a high school with a guy named Jonas, who's a big Wisconsin fan. And guess what? I got to give him a bunch of crap every time Oregon beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, which has been twice. So, you know, I got no problem with Wisconsin. They're a fun place to be. I love jump around. I think it's a lot of fun. And they're a respected institution. And they've had a good football program. They've always had to be overachievers. I very much respect that. I like Wisconsin. So Schultz was asked if uh, he had a preference for Oregon's conference affiliation. He said, quote, I cannot answer that question right now. I'm a hardcore Oregon duck, at least now he is, but very much want to see what's in the best interests of the university. I think that's a very smart, savvy political answer. He's basically saying, I don't know. I won't rule anything out. I think not mentioning the Pac-12, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's noteworthy, but I think he's just confirming, and I lead today's show with this, for this very reason. He's just confirming there what I've been saying for a while on the show. Should Oregon be open to the idea of one day going to the Big Ten if an offer comes along? Yeah, sure. There are benefits there. I'd rather they stay in the Pac-12 because I'm a traditionalist and I don't like that USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten and that there are a lot of people who would like to see the Pac-12 disband altogether and see the four corner schools go to the big 12 and you know all this sort of stuff right so i don't want to see any of that happen i'm a traditionalist i like the regionality of college football and college athletics in general and i don't like the direction it's going in a number in a number of ways but that one most notably given that it's the world we live in though you gotta accept reality 
and take the world as it is, not as you would like it to be. And as it is, yes, Oregon would consider Big Ten membership if that's something that came along down the line. Do I anticipate that coming now just because they hired someone from the University of Wisconsin? No, I do not. I don't think it changes the facts of everything I've been saying for the last couple weeks or months on the show. The Big Ten could have added more PAC schools, but they didn't. And they still don't have a commission over there in the Big Ten. So unless the Pac-12, the only way Oregon, I think, doesn't end up in the Pac-12 in the near future for this next media rights deal, whenever it comes out in, you know, six years. Um, It just feels like six years. Goodness gracious. And by the way, I'll touch on that in a moment. Unless a deal just fails to materialize altogether, there is no other option right now. In the future, there could be. But right now, we're in the pack. Don't have to like it. I, I didn't say you have to like it. I'm just saying that's that's where we're at. I was talking about this on Locked On Pack 12 on yesterday's show. But I recognize that most of you probably don't watch or listen to that show. So I'll just condense my thoughts down here on the media deal front. I don't think there's going to be a specific timeline here. There, there's a date, I think, sometime in the summer. I don't know specifically. I think June-ish. Don't know for sure. But there is a deadline as to when schools would have to let a conference know. Like, they'd have to let them know by X date, we're going to go to a different conference. That date is sometime in the summer. So technically, that's you know, the hard line date for the Pac-12. But I don't think there's a rush for the conference. I, I would like them to get it done because, frankly, I'm kind of tired of talking about it. It's just, draw, it's just gone on for way too long in the media space, and I'd like to be able to move on. It's what people are interested in, and if you have questions, I'm always happy to answer them, right? That's part of, my, part of our arrangement here. Totally get that. But on a personal level, I'm pretty done with it. But I don't think I'm going to get what I want, which is to be able to actually talk about the deal and not just speculate about the deal for a while. Because at this point, the Pac-12 is past the point of no return when it comes to taking the, the PR hit, the body blow of perception. That has already happened. You can't salvage that. Their inability to get a deal you know, by, by February or in any time in the month of February, has already led people to write things about, are schools going to leave? Is the conference dying? Is all, you know, all this sort of stuff, yada, yada, yada. And as you know, I'm not a fan of most of it. Just held in a sneeze. Trying to be professional here. Can't, can't, can't be sneezing in the middle of recording. And I don't want to go back and edit it either. So anyway, they've already gone past the point of no return on how people nationally view your conference, not being able to get a media rights deal the same time or in the general same time frame that everybody else did. And I don't think they care. I don't think George K cares. I think the Pac-12's consistent approach here with their lack of talking to the media, their lack of you know involvement on social media as well, George K not doing a press conference at the men's basketball tournament or the women's basketball tournament, it all means the same thing. People can say and do everything that they that that they want and speculate from from now until the end of time. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change how valuable the Pac-12 actually is. 
So it's going to leave us, you know, people like me to talk in uh, circles at some level for weeks and weeks at a time. And people will think less of the Pac-12. But George K is basically looking at it and going, look, there, there's no, there, 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 that's not going to change anything that we're trying to accomplish. The teams we have are still the same. The media value is still the same. Nothing's changing on that particular front. So had to flush out some thoughts there. Uh, a couple more on uh, football, including what Oregon needs to do to win more games. Well, there are a lot of things on that front that they need to do. If you think Oregon's going to win more games next year, you might want to go check out FanDuel because you can bet that and everything else that you need over at America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. And the NBA regular season's winding down. March Madness is literally this week. I'm so bummed Oregon's not a part of it on the men's or the women's side because I love March Madness. We'll get some get to some basketball talk later in the show. But you can bet everything on NBA regular season games from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Fun, fra- fun fact for those of you watching on uh, YouTube right now, as I went to go click back into the tab away from the live read, I almost hit the X and messed everything up. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So uh, another question came in from Regan Garrett. I apologize if it's Reagan, Regan, R-E-A-G-A-N, Ronald Reagan, but Regan, you know, R-S-I-D at Southern Utah is is Regan and spelled the same way. So um How about my man, Mr. Garrett? How about that? Does that work? Okay. Mr. Garrett. Uh, Love the content, dude. Appreciate you. I got a question, which is, what do good teams need to have in order to win every game in a season? Hmm, Interesting question. I've always viewed Oregon as a powerful team nationally that tends to lose a couple key games every year that prevent them from being a top nationally ranked team. No shade on Oregon because it's not an easy task. I just look at TCU this year like, dang. Okay. Um, great point that Oregon has often had games that derail their season. I would also point out that is not a unique thing to the University of Oregon. That is something that a number of schools and a number of programs across the country deal with literally every year. I mean, teams rise and then they can fall or they get right there and then they lose at the end. That's super common. It's what makes college football so unique and so special. And we're going to just, you know, throw that out the window with a 12-team playoff, which is just, ugh, gosh, I'm going to throw up in my mouth talking about that. But, um, sorry, regular listeners know I'm not a fan. And I am uh, very much not a fan at all. But the question here from Regan is, or sorry, from Mr. Garrett, is what do you have to do to win every game in a regular season? Well, first of all, in Oregon's only undefeated regular season, in the Pac-10-12 era. And by the way, 2014-15 was not undefeated. We lost to Arizona at home. Good Arizona team, but then got revenge in the Pac-12 championship game. You got to have a good offense. I, I don't know that it necessarily has to be great. Both of those offenses happen to be great. But on one side of the ball, at least, you got to be great. And Oregon has had a tendency to be great on the offensive side of the ball. And by the way, they were great in 2022. Not good. They were great. They did 
just about everything well except execute in the red zone, which is harder than it looks, but Oregon made it harder than it needed to be last year. So I think for the Ducks, the formula there is to be – because think about Georgia. Last couple of years, do you think of them as a great offense? No. But do you think of them as a bad offense? Also no. They're a great defense, and they're a good offense. So on one side of the ball, you've got to be great. And on the other side of the ball, you've got to be good. Oregon last year goes 10-3 and three because their offense was great, but their defense was pretty bad. It was not atrocious, terrible, no good, very bad all the time, but it was pretty bad. They had way too many lapses. So if you want to go through the regular season and go unbeaten, number one, you have to have a favorable schedule. Like that, that, That's a part of it too. You know, in 2010, Oregon went 12-0 in the regular season, and they played, they ended up running away with that game at Tennessee, but think about, what was the toughest game there? Probably Cal's actually, actually ended up being a tough game. Stanford was the big win. Stanford, college game day at Autzen Stadium, down 21-3, to and Oregon comes back and wins that game. What are the odds Oregon pulls off that comeback if they're on the road? They're lower at the very least, right? So you have to be great on one side of the ball. You have to be good on the other one. You do need some breaks. You know, like, like you bring up TCU, and it's a great point to bring up because TCU is not going back to the playoff next year with the 14 format. It won't happen. They had too many things go their way, but you need things to go your way. They kicked a last-second field goal at Baylor. They actually lost the Big 12 championship game, but they had an undefeated regular season completely deserved to get into the playoff and then beat Michigan to go to the championship game. You do need some breaks to go your way. And there's an element of randomness to that. But TCU was great on offense with great personnel and they were good enough on defense. And that's what Oregon's missing, right? At least when you look at last year. And then you need some scheduling breaks as well. Because if if you were to line up, let's just, you know, keep it in the Pac-12 for a moment. With the way it works of, you know, missing two schools in the South every year, and, you know, that's how the scheduling actually works right now. If you had a season where you went, like, at USC, for, for, frankly, this year doesn't break very well for Oregon from a scheduling standpoint in conference. They've got to go at Washington, they've got to go at Utah, and they have to play USC. Winning two of those games is tough, and you're not going to, in all likelihood, win all three. But... But, 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 if you win two and you lose one, okay, that's fine. Like, that that would be Oregon doing great. But then you can't lose another game the rest of the year, right? And his and that's just to get into the playoff. He's asking about what do you have to do to win all those games. I, I, I think that's, that's kind of what, what my takeaway is. Great on one side, good on the other. Get some scheduling breaks and, and have some breaks within games, too. I mean, the 2010 season, that Cal game, it was horrific. It was an awful game. It was a Cliff Harris punt return and one touchdown drive for the offense. But they won. And sometimes you just got to find a way. Good question, though. I love that. Had not seen a question like that before. Uh, This one from Kylie Hudson. And by the way, if you want to get in the mailbag, you can. It's really easy. YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Twitter mentions and DMs wide open. I've never not once got asked a question that didn't make its way at some point in time here on the show. Mailbag's loaded up, and I appreciate you all so, so much for that because it provides great content. You know, my thoughts are semi-interesting. Your thoughts, even better. Kylie Hudson asks, which by the way, 
I'm assuming, and I, I'm I'm just spitballing here. If Kylie's a uh, female out there, you might be the first, maybe maybe second female question asker, which I'm totally here for. All are welcome in this particular space at all points in time. All are welcome to the flock forever and always. Love seeing that. Most of my uh, YouTube has some really cool demographics information. Overwhelming majority of listeners or viewers are guys. And I like all you guys too, but always nice to see some female football fans in there. So um, if it, if Kylie is actually your name, anyway, I'll get off that thread now. Uh, Spencer, that's me. What do you think about the pack and the ACC joining just for a media deal? In parentheses, it's going to happen. Well, uh, I don't know about that. We don't need the criminal element Big Ten. So I don't think a pack acc merger is going to happen on a conference level. But what they should do is look at college basketball and say, that's our model right there. College basketball. First of all, they do scheduling annually because they have their heads screwed onto their bodies, whereas college football does not. It's completely backwards. They do it on an annual basis, but then in the middle of the regular season to add some spice and to help build tournament resumes, and I think this will become even more relevant when the playoff expands to 12 teams and you've got six at-large berths to to go after, right? You have the five power five champs and then the highest rated G5 champ and then six at-large spots. They could form a scheduling alliance if they would get rid of this stupid plan out the non-conference, you know, quality opponent way years in advance and whatnot. An ACC Pac-12 scheduling partnership for both basketball, you know, Pac-12 ACC challenge in football and basketball, that's going to get some attention and you can create some great matchups. The one that we all want to see is Oregon and Miami. I mean, come on, who's not watching that? Or if you put Oregon and Miami on the same football field, every network in the country is going to want to put those teams on TV because that'll get, I think Oregon, Ohio State peaked around like seven, eight million, if I remember correctly. You could easily, easily be in the five million range if you put Oregon and Miami. I mean, that is just, you got two coasts. You could maybe be in the middle, do a neutral side game. I don't care. It'd be more <laughs> be more fun to do a home and home. Obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> that would be that'd be interesting. It's like it's just always in, exciting and interesting when a former coach comes to play against his old school. Like that is that is must see TV. Like, can you imagine if last year, what if Lincoln Riley's first game had been coaching in Norman at Oklahoma? Who's not watching that? I'm watching that. You're watching that. Everybody you know that's a college football fan is watching that. Like, you want to create interest. You want to create must-see TV. I think the Pac-12 ACC, I think it'd be wildly fun. I I think logistically, it's just too much of a challenge to do the scheduling component. I know, you know, USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. Yeah, they're still not going over to the coast unless they're playing Maryland and Rutgers, which is not going to happen very often. The ACC is exclusively on the East Coast, hence the name Atlantic Coastal Conference. So I don't think a merger is there, but a scheduling alliance for football, men's basketball, women's basketball, everything, sign me up. Great question, Kylie. Speaking of basketball, um, 
it just pains me that neither team is in the dance. It really, really does. But it's what we got. We got to assess. And there is some good news on that front, things I like. Um, but this question came in from Grant Hag. Hey, Spencer, congrats to the Southern Utah women's basketball team for making the big dance. Will you be heading to South Bend to cover the first round game? I like the first half of this question. Got to plug the T-Birds, who I do play-by-play for, primarily on ESPN+, Plus, but I am... I, I love my job. This is the greatest thing in the world. And I hope that comes through to all of you every time I come on here to do a show. I'm grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for my Locked On Pac-12 listeners, anybody who tunes in my radio show that I started uh, a month and a half ago, and to Southern Utah for the opportunity to you know, be their TV play-by-play voice and occasionally on the radio is just, it's a thrill. And this has been, the Southern Utah women's team, by the way, is in the big dance for the first time ever. And how lucky am I that I'm going to get to call that game on radio in South Bend, Indiana, at Notre Dame, a 14 seed Southern Utah is trying to shock the world. And beyond my wildest dreams. Um, absolutely beyond my wildest dreams. I, I cannot believe that I'm going to call a March Madness game. I just, you know, I hope I hope one day I'll get to do it on on the TV side, but right now it's it's an opportunity not afforded to a lot of people and I feel very lucky. I feel very very lucky. They're such an awesome team. Girls play so hard. They had the miracle. You might have seen the miracle shot from one Sharita Doherty, three defenders in her face. Whew. One-handed, falling away, all nylon. Just snaps the net for a game winner in the quarterfinals. Um, anyway, Southern Utah Tangent is now over. That game is on Friday. I'll tweet out the link if uh, you want to tune in and hear me uh, doing some radio play-by-play. But this is an Oregon podcast, so let's get back to it. I have a question for the mailbag. With Oregon men's basketball team now going to the NIT, how far do you think they will make it in the tournament? Well, they're a one seed, but I got to be honest – well, it just depends on how much they care. That, like That's what it comes down to. In the NIT field, yeah, they're one of the most talented teams there. They could win. Would that mean something? Not at this point. Like The NIT and the CBI winning them, there was a point in time where Oregon won the CBI and it meant something early in Dane Altman's tenure. It's for teams, it's, it's either for mid-majors, right, to get on the – get on the college basketball radar in some sense, or for national programs to start building themselves up, build a culture, build a reputation of winning. So, you know, right right now, Dane Altman's teams every year, it's big dancer bust in the last two years. Unfortunately, it's been a bust on that front. Doesn't mean it will be going forward, but they've got the talent to win it all. My, my guess, I think they're going to win two games. They play UC Irvine first. I bet they get revenge there. And then, Maybe they'll win their second game. I haven't even looked at the bracket. I haven't filled up my March Madness bracket yet because it's just oh, so much fun. But, yeah, I, th- I think it'll depend on, you know, what their motivation level is. It's an opportunity to play. It's an opportunity to compete. You know, those guys are athletes. They're competitors. But they're not where they want to be. And and you can't you can't shake that feeling. So they got the talent to go all the way. My guess, they win two games and then lose. Um, but we're ending on the optimistic front on the basketball side of things. Two guys are coming back to Oregon that we know. We're still waiting on announcements potentially from others. We might not know for a while. Um, but Jermaine Kuznard is coming back. 
and Nate Biddle's coming back. Both guys, once they were not injured, which unfortunately occurred several times this year, but, you know, Kuznard missed like the first two months of the season, basically, and he was supposed to play, and I saw why. I really like Kuznard. He, he's a good, not great, but good shooter, ball handler, score. I mean, he does a lot of things well. I like having him on the floor. I like having him back. Nate Biddle, he's just active. He's involved. And he is a very capable shooter. He hasn't shown that in games yet. He's hit threes at times. But if he increases his three-point percentage, he could be an absolute weapon for the team. But I love his size. I love his defensive prowess. I think he does a lot of really good things. And the guys, we're, we're waiting on the other bigs. We don't know what Khalil Ware or Infali Dante are going to do next year. And I will be anxiously waiting both of them. And I would love for both of them to come back. I love the rotating trio of three seven-footers. Absolutely love it. But they do need to improve. Dante less so. He's the most refined of the bunch. But I think Nate Biddle's got a lot of upside. Man, he's a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He hasn't lived up to that yet. But I saw a lot more from him this year than last year. So if he takes another jump, he could become a really productive player. And if he's your backup big, you're doing great. Because you've got a big body, someone who can stretch the floor, someone who's got good post moves, and someone who can block shots. And that's been a hallmark of Dana Altman's teams. Always have a shot blocker on the floor. And so I like that Biddle's coming back, and I like that Kuznard is coming back too. Because I think Kuznard, for the last month of the season or so, he and Bartholomew basically alternated being our best player offensively on any given night. And I think Oregon needs needs to continue to have high-level guards going forward. And I think Kuznard as well is someone who could help kind of grandfather in Jackson Shellstad to the rotation, who I've got a lot of optimism about. So we end with good news on the basketball front. Keep the questions coming. Absolutely love them, especially if they're about Southern Utah, who hold a special place in my heart, especially this week. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.